0: Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
1: Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep.
2: With your host, Joel O'Connor this is a volatile puppy here isn't it and Dennis Dick I've been a penny I will buy the stock for a penny
1: with everything you need to start your trading day good morning everybody welcome to this Tuesday pre-market prep Spencer Israel Joel L Conan, Dennis Dick Mitch hot with you this morning Well. We wondered how long it would take, but it appears to have only taken a a week or so. The short squeeze has become a long squeeze, so we'll start the show there. And we'll move on to other things throughout the show. We have some earnings to discuss. We, we, we want to talk. I want to talk to Rath Kings, uh, uh, um, SpaceX. No, Virgin Galactic is moving up this morning on a SpaceX headline. So we'll talk about that. Our guest today, new guest. We got a new one for you. Bill Hart. He is the former CEO of Modern Markets Initiative. And he's going to give us the other side of the payment for order flow, or, uh, order flow uh, argument and why that can be beneficial It'll be at 835 we had joe sluzy on yesterday so we'll have bill on to give us the other side of that argument at 835 before i throw it to joel I want to remind you all hit that like button wherever you're watching this youtube facebook wherever hit like hit subscribe hit share uh joel how's it going this morning how you doing
3: Uh, Doing well, doing well. Uh, Up, markets up, buy the dip, a little bit of a sell off on the close. Boom, they bought it almost off that uh, 6 p.m. opening bell. Made a high 3804, not much up there Uh, Thursday in the area of Thursday's close, but uh, believe it or not, Friday's high 3823.50. So that's a a target on the upside. Crude busted out, had those highs at 5370. 74 five of them took it out man almost hit 55 54.96 high traded up a buck 32 5487 uh gold down $20 at 184390 silver getting a lick in here that's down almost 6% a buck down a buck 65 27 55 and bitcoin going the other way that's up 3.4% uh 35155 that's up Eleven hundred dollars. Those are the futures, are what I'm talking about, there, folks. And uh, triple D. I I know where you're buying it. Where you getting long GameStop today?
2: Ha! No, (laughs) thank you. Sorry. Um, I know it looks like when you think, oh, it's four hundred dollars two days ago. It's one hundred thirty-nine dollars today. What a deal! Is this the Kmart Blue Light Special? Not for me now. Thank you. I think rallies to be sold in this. I've thought rallies to be sold the whole time, but obviously I never thought it could get up to $475 or wherever it got to the other day, 483. Wow. That's unbelievable. You know, I just when you stop and think about what it did, and I mean come back to reality here and really analyze, you know, what you've got to do as a trader and even as an investor. When your stocks are going up 2, 3, 400% you got to ring the register. Mitch, I know you're in the background too, and you were saying the same thing this morning. I mean, you've got to take the profits or the market will eventually take them from you, especially on stocks that aren't doing even well. I mean, across the board, let's just look at the carnage in the short squeeze stocks. And it's not a carnage for the shorts now. It's a carnage for the longs. Bed, bath and beyond. hi. Four days ago. Fifty three dollars and ninety cents is twenty eight ten. That's a two for one stock split. Except Show you my didn't screen get any here. more
3: stock. Show my yeah, screen real quick. Yeah, look at the monthly down there. Spencer, can you or do I gotta take it back? This was from last week. I and I just didn't put there in this morning. Is five years of losses gained back in a week sustainable? No. No. Anyways, go ahead, triple D.
2: I'm trying just uh here uh,
3: uh, so I'll take choose. a look at the other stocks. Yeah. Uh, BlackBerry, that's coming in. Sorry. That's down You got a little static. 25. I was trying to
2: fix your static, Joel. Just to, I don't know if it's just you, Spencer. Are you there in the background? Because Joel's coming in and out a bit. Yeah, um, i only before yeah. we go through the whole show, with Joel's mic's coming in and out. Am I clear, chat, mic? Yeah, you no, know, you're clear.
1: It only just started, but I, I'm listening to the to our broadcast. Maybe just and, and you I might have to plug in now. your
2: headset and oh. unplug. It. it just sounds like a loose connection, Joel so okay and anyways so we might is as well it, fix that right it still, off the top before we go staticky? through a whole draw no, Joel, Joel, you're good you're good okay, okay I, I think,
3: think yeah okay let's go
2: so okay you got bed bath and beyond obviously we know there's like 60 stocks you know you can just start pounding through them the obvious ones amc is still holding up fairly well you can say what the hell are you talking about it's nine dollars i mean it got up to 2036 and in the pre-market that day it was over 25 so it is off significantly, but we're still up quite a bit from the $5 breakout. So um, yesterday, it was one, the last one to fall. They were all falling. It tried to hold up. It kept trying to hold up. And eventually, it started to come down too. And obviously, today, it's just running for the hills. Um, I, people are getting real losses here. And you feel bad for the people you know who, you, who get caught up in this, and they don't know. I mean, you get newer investors. I mean, when your stock shows up, on Saturday Night Live as a joke, (laughs) it's time to sell. That is, if there's ever a sign of a top, it's when your stock shows up on Saturday Night Live. And that's what they did. They had GameStop featured. And they were doing, uh, you know, uh, obviously a fake interview with a GameStop representative, there, a director or CEO. I didn't watch the segment, but I just nah, got highlights of nah, it. No, he wasn't a. Did he, you watch he, it?
1: He wasn't a. He was a trader, man. He, he, was, he oh, was. He had a...
2: GameStop written on his thing. Yeah, he was a trader. Oh, I thought they were saying. No,
1: no, 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 no. He was. He, he was just yeah. a guy. <laughs> so, anyways,
2: funny. and they were trying to ask him fundamental questions, and he's like, "They sell games, man. <laughs> you know." <laughs> In, in stores. Yeah, no, it, it was funny. It was good. <laughs> yeah, but when your stock shows up in the mass media, it means everybody has bought. It means everybody has bought. Can the thing bounce, you know, eventually? It, nothing goes straight back down. But we all kind of knew when the dust settled that this thing was going to be significantly lower. Is it going back to $20? I don't think imminently. I think eventually, yes. But I don't think it's imminent here. Um, is it going back to $4. I've hated GameStop for a decade, so I'm not the yeah, person I don't ask to ask you on right? on GameStop. So obviously I got this one dead wrong. I never thought the $4 GameStop, which I had pegged going to zero, eventually could go to 400 So maybe I'm not the person to ask on this one. But you just look through the carnage. You've got to ring the register. When you have a gift from the market, a gift from the trading gods, like we had in so many stocks, I mean Viacom. You know, these are stocks that haven't been talked about in the main media, but it was a short squeeze from 45 to 60 on a media company that is still stuck doing billboards and they're giving (laughs) you $60. Take the money and run, man. So I I had a few of these in my long-term portfolio and I sold what I could. Um, I sold SunPower and I like the SunPower story still, but it was caught up in the squeeze as well. So you've seen, you know, across the board, I sold my BlackBerry. You had to get up. I mean, BlackBerry just got silly. It got up to $28. It's 13 So most of these things are off significantly. Moral of the story, learning lesson for newer investors. You hold too long, you probably eventually give back
3: a lot of the gains. And that's what they're seeing this morning. All right, uh, yeah, BlackBerry's coming back down. You see the big candle there. I'll give you the pre-market law. I mean, at this point uh you're low probably on that cream you know when kramer was talking about these stocks yeah. and hit 12.90 it's not far from that area do we have anything and we're probably yesterday's low as well Uh you're not going through yesterday's low that was 12.73 take a look at that uh, below that the only thing I can really give you is a pair of lows at 12 bucks so that's going back to the 21st and 22nd uh and Spencer you you got it you stopped yourself on on this too so uh,
1: yeah 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 oh yeah yeah you gotta sell your,
2: peanuts you stopped the your mom
3: out sell your peanuts <laughs> while the circus is in town don't right.
2: wait for the final act because when the circ when they start cleaning up there's not much left to sell sell so, Harlan Pine sell your peanuts while the circus is we got i gotta track him down and and the other yeah. thing
1: the other thing is like you know it, who who are you gonna listen to are you gonna listen to people on the internet saying you know tell saying hold 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 or are you gonna do what's best for you do what's best for you
2: hold, hold the line like kramer said last night what is this braveheart kramer, kramer, kramer gave his analysis of GameStop. and we know and he said under all my fundamental scenarios, the highest price I can possibly get for GameStop in the best case scenario is 60. And he's like, I'm like the high guy on the street. He's like, if you're in GameStop, you got to sell it now. And that was when it was 185. So, Kramer, we, give, we call you out sometimes with your bad calls. It was a good call last night t- telling, the, uh, telling your viewers there to sell it at 185 because it's 133 here this morning. Is it going to get more bounces? It's going to be bounces. And when I'm in something, I'm usually selling into the bounces. Is it going back to 250? I don't think so. I think you're, you, you know, you might get a 150 bounce, a 160 bounce, but it's going to be tough now because now you've got major overhead supply. You've got the pain trade above. You have people who really thought this was going to a $1,000 kind of looking, okay, well, I bought a 300. Uh, I think it's still going to a 1,000, but I'm pretty spooked now. So you got an overhead supply issue here. And it's, it, but like we said, it's not just GameStop. It's all of them. And the smaller ones that weren't getting major press. I mean, look at SKT, Tanger Factory, another one another oh, short squeeze $13.21 back to 14 Kroger I mean what's going on Kroger, Kroger I didn't know Kroger, I
3: didn't know Kroger move yeah, like Kro- that
2: They squeezed them in Kroger $33 to $43 that's Kroger's biggest move probably ever I mean this is Kroger it's a grocery store Anyways it's come all the way back down it's given it all back maybe at 31 32 I kind of like the fundamentals of 31 32 so it's coming back in where value investors like myself might actually come in but it'll be
3: interesting to see if uh, Warren dumped any
2: you know no, he's got to dump in the Sunday. I' just wonder if move. he's that
3: Nimble though well yeah wait, <laughs>
2: he has Kroger I didn't even know that yeah, yeah he does Warren he does. goes
3: Krogering? yeah yeah yes well, I and then the are... po-
2: and then Tootsie Roll. I mean, we talked about Tootsie Roll. I still can't understand why I had the 38% short interest, but $31 is when this party started, oh. and in four days it ran to $59. Tootsie Roll pops, and all the way back down to 35. So some are still up a little bit here, but the majority have given back over half of the gains in just a couple of trading sessions. So it's not pretty. If you're stuck around this long here, you're you know, and in and, and certain stocks like Kroger. Maybe eventually Kroger can start to catch a bit again because there is value. But stocks like GameStop that are 135, your value investors looking at that and saying no, and your you know your Momo guys looking at that and saying no, no, and now you've got you know your Reddit guys saying and saying oh no. So I don't know how you know this thing can get back to three four hundred again. But in this market, never say never. But if you're holding out for three four hundred, I think you might be holding for a long time.
3: What's what's Winky? Is that um, oh, that's what that's its, its own okay. stock, yeah, yeah, uh, Winky,
2: hostess okay. TWK. No, what about um,
3: what about uh, what was that? What's the symbol? Was it oh, SSIEB Miros uh Siebert?
2: Oh, yeah, that little one. Yeah. Oh, no. look at that one, yeah, that was another short squeeze three dollars to 19 and back to it actually it
3: went higher than that. It went in the pre market, yeah, 20. I see
1: 2820.
3: Yeah. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Holy macro, That is insane. Uh, all right. Well, do you want to? Yep, you're right. You want to talk about some real stocks? Let's go and talk real stocks for once. Sure. Here,
2: because we've been talking First short time for a week. I know. And, uh, We're going to get back to normalcy here, hopefully, after all of this. And you're obviously seeing buy the dip working for the overall market, which I was nervous. But obviously, we know, I've said, I've, I've highlighted this relationship that there's a negative correlation between GameStop great and SPY. Call. We highlighted that almost yeah. a week and a half ago. And it's still That's working incredible. here today. GameStop down, market up. That continues to be the case. Um, you had a lot of earnings. You've got a pile tonight, though. The big guns are coming out tonight with Amazon and Google and Chipotle. EA uh, Match is reporting. FireEye is reporting. But this morning, we've already had a few here. Where do you want to go, Mr. Israel? I'll let you take the lead. Yeah. Uh, Ali Bob- Wait, I, well, did you have this Elon Musk thing behind you yesterday? Yeah, yeah no, it didn't. I didn't. It's new. Ta- talk to us about this simpsons elon musk what's going on here we got to take a little close, close i I, I i'm
1: just look we have a lot of this crap around the office and so I, ju- <laughs> I, I just grabbed it we also have these seinfeld characters that the thing you can't see right back that's that sideways one i think that's adam sandler but it doesn't look like him so i don't really no, it
2: doesn't, doesn't look like adam sandler. No, it would, no, no no
1: <laughs> That's the back of
2: it. Is, <laughs> the, like, that's the most terrible. That's thing. the back of the thing. Adam so, Sandler I've ever seen. The so, silhouette of Adam Sandler. So
1: yeah, so I think a few. What happened is a few months ago, uh, Jason and Luke. There was like some sort of an auction at like a warehouse in Detroit, and they just like went and got a bunch of this crap. So loaded up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. Uh, Alib- Alibaba reported this morning, and I think I believe the conference call is happening right now, so um don't have any commentary on that. But the numbers are the EPS beat and their sales beat, although I, I, I looked at the the PR, and they said basically nothing about anti Financial, and that's kind of all that really matters here. So I don't know how you know, how, how much these numbers really matter at all. Uh, I don't know what they're saying on the call. Maybe they're giving more color about a financial and the restructuring of that. But until we get clarity on that, that's kind of all that really matters.
2: Full disclosure. I'm still long. The half size position, the long-term portfolio, full disclosure. I'm still nervous about the position to a certain extent, but I mean, it's tough sledding here. Now we've had the nice comeback from the lows when we thought Jack Ma might not be around in the world anymore. And we know he is, but, um, You got a lot of overhead supply. You got people who are caught. You got some bag holders, 265, 268, 280. So it's tough sledding to really get above this whole 265 area. That's where it needs to get, though. There is room if you get above 265, 267 to the 280 level, but then that's hard resistance, too. So you start setting up the risk reward, and you're like, Yeah, there's better places for my money right now. Uh,
3: This is just a big area. Just a huge area. And the reason is you guys you know you guys know all my tricks by now. Guess what the fifty percent retracement of the move is from three nineteen thirty two to two eleven twenty
2: three? Sounds about fifty bucks higher. So you're probably right in here.
3: Two sixty five
2: twenty seven. Yeah, big number.
3: Yeah. Fifty percent work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it blew through it the first day, right? It went to two sixty nine, stopped another whole number. I would keep a real close eye on this close today. Sixty four, sixty nine. That was a close from yesterday. Trading below it. Let's see if we can get green, take out that sixty five, and make a run at sixty nine. I just, I just kind of feel with it trading down right now that if you do get over that sixty five, it's going to be a little, a little, a little thicker. Than the day that and actually it went to seventy one thirty. So you've had oh no no that's two seven yeah 27130, 269 and a half, 265 You got a step down seller in there. We'll we'll see what happens.
1: Do you, do you want to hear how petty China's state media is? They they published a list uh, of the of China's greatest entrepreneurs, and Jack Ma was not on it. <laughs>
2: That's not good news. He's not (laughs) back in. He's not. He's not back in the good house with the CCP. No. no, I (laughs) know. No. He was not on it.
1: Yeah, he was (laughs) not on the list of Chinese greatest entrepreneurs. He's like the he's like the richest guy in the country. He's not on the list. Where did
3: you Where did you get that information from?
1: I have my sources.
3: Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Earnings, Earnings parade.
1: Let's go to, oh gosh, boring. overwhelming here. All right.
2: You boring in the background. You...
1: That, was, that, yeah. was that, that was Joel. That was Joel. We had UPS and we had Pfizer. So some, some major Dow components here.
2: Let's look. To UPS.
1: Yeah, UPS earnings beat $2.86 for a $2.14 estimate. Sales 24.9 versus $22.87 billion. So a beat and a beat for UPS.
2: Probably to be
1: expected in, yeah. in, the, in the, the holiday quarter, right?
2: Holiday quarter, still in a pandemic. I mean, we're in lockdown here in Ontario. And so it's it's obvious that UPS is probably going to beat numbers, but nothing's obvious to the simplistic market. And so if you just bought ahead of time saying UPS probably beats, you're rewarded. So, well, you know, once again, earnings matters again. I like this. Oh. Earnings matter. So they were good earnings now you're coming in and buying it now you got lots of overhead uh, supply here Two one 164 165 there you go i mean i like the company from a fundamental basis i still think we're not you know going back to the original way anytime soon we're all going to stores at the convenience of it i just love the convenience of you know buying my thing online it shows up at my door so that convenience factor is not going away either so still like ups still like fedex long fedex full disclosure but yeah, you know, short term, it's a big pop. I mean, do you get some backing and filling, Joel?
3: Uh, you you nail the numbers on this one. Uh right now the pre-market high stands at 163.80. I mean, boom. This one sixty-four stick sore throm. It's actually 164.14. If you're fortunate enough to get through that. Your next high comes in at 165.59. I mean, to me, after putting in a double bottom yesterday and the day before, people took a little shot on the earnings play and they're getting, a, you know, there's six, seven, eight points out of it. I don't know. I, I'm not buying it. I'm not selling it. I'm not shorting it. I would just say I think some of your bigger players are looking at this 164 to 165 as a sell zone area, just short term. Long term, who knows what's going on with FedEx, man? That thing. Is this getting off the mat at all? Uh, I, I think these are
2: opportunities. You know, eventually, it's it's yeah. it's rallying this morning with the UPS. So I don't know if I'd buy it this morning, but I've been picking up some. There's there's been some good opportunities, Joel. Like we've talked about it, uh, just in a lot of you know, like the forgotten stocks. They got here. hit. Like I said, I bought some Lockheed Martin. I finally put General Motors back into my long term portfolio. Am I buying a high out? Yeah. But I think there's still a story here, so. They gave, GameStop gave you an opportunity on some stocks and, you know, and and a Lockheed Martin obviously was the earnings to a certain extent as well. But all these stocks are forgotten. Who wants to be going and buying stocks that are, you know, giving you 3% yields and growing and value stocks when you're getting GameStop's going up 200% a day? Well, all of a sudden, some of these other stocks are starting to look a little bit more attractive. So I like FedEx down here. I mean, it's a value play. So I don't think it's going away. I'm long it still.
3: Uh, fed it. Yeah, so trying to get off the mat, getting a little pop here. I mean, it's got to stop. I put it a double bottom too. So if you wanna, you got an area to lean on. They're they're later in the earnings season, so we'll see what uh, see what happens with that one.
1: Uh what about Pfizer here? You, you, you've got a, a divergence, right? Where Moderna has sort of ca- came back. It has came. Came yeah. back, And Pfizer really has not. So Pfizer's earnings, you know, for whatever they're worth, uh, were out this morning. Uh, and they, they missed on the EPS and they beat on their sales. But they did raise their EPS guidance for the year. Uh, looks like they raised it by about 10 cents. $3 on low end now is $3.10. And sales guidance for the year was fine. Um, but really just divergence between the, the two COVID, the two main COVID vaccine plays.
2: Well, look at Novavax. I mean, holy! I did not see that move coming. What a breakout two days ago, and I'm not sure why. Why, you know, is this all of a sudden doubled in two days? Spencer Israel, NVAX was well. There's always headlines. Yep. I mean, there's always headlines in Novavax. They're headlines every night, it seems like. You know, because obviously these are the vaccines. Because they
1: they announced some uh, some phase three data last week. This is uh, this is uh, in the UK. And apparently, while they while they announced that Johnson Johnson's similar announcement was disappointing, so people pointed to Novavax as being maybe a stronger candidate than Johnson Johnson's. Um, wow. Let, let me see here. That's an
2: unbelievable move. That's a breakout and just gone gap and go. And now you know if you're short the thing, you're scrambling for sure. What's a short interest on that?
3: I was just going to say. It, are, they,
2: are they hitting some shorts on this? I mean, I was bearish this at one time. I turned around and got bullish at the 90, but I haven't really talked about it much since. Um, I'm, just, I'm going to check the short interest here.
3: 300. If you want to target in this one, that was the high in. Oh, it's
2: over. It's 11. I got 11%. So it's a little bit of squeezing.
3: Best yeah. Three double oh twenty, that was your high in August of two thousand fifteen. So once again,
4: whew
3: here. If you got a target up in this area, I would say over three if this thing gets over three hundred and holds it on a close, it's got another another leg in it. Um, longer it takes to get up to 300 take out 300 i mean someone's gonna be ringing the register on this thing i don't know who it is trading up uh these are big moves
2: four, i mean i i take bucks. when my stock doubles in two days i usually take it again i'm the person that obviously ha- sells too soon but 100 percent gainer in two days is pretty impressive uh <laughs> i'd be selling it but that's me but going back to pfizer i mean Nobody looks at Pfizer and thinks, okay, this is, you know, the vaccine play. They look at Novavax and Moderna as a vaccine play. Now, even though Pfizer's maybe the biggest player in there, they're not. And it's so, you know, diversified, you know, they want the one trick ponies on these vaccines. So they want the Moderna's and the Novavax. They don't want the Pfizer. I'm long Pfizer in the long-term portfolio. I still think there's value here in Pfizer in the long-term portfolio. 4.34% dividend is, you know, okay as well. It's at support. I I don't mind it here, but it's not a favor.
3: Yeah, yeah, Pfizer. I mean, what's a the a catalyst? What's a catalyst now? Yeah,
2: that's it. What's the catalyst here to get it going? The catalyst was, you know, back in November when we got the couple big pops. Vaccine Monday? Like-
3: Yep, yeah, was, that was it's, vaccine Monday. It came. I mean, it came back into this area. I mean, down to 35, up at 37 now. But once again, you know, you just talk about these moves here in late November, early December when it went from 36 to 43, folks. So all these people that had been, you know, it got up to that same air. Of course, it goes through it a little bit by on the monthlies. But do you think the people that were focusing on 42, 42, 24 and Dennis, I remember you citing huge institutional orders at those at those points, yeah, you know, hundreds of thousands of shares and they chewed them up and they went through it. But hey, uh,
1: I, I, I do have some breaking vaccine news. What do you got? Yes, uh, this is uh, this is from I'm reading from Axios here. Russia's Sputnik five vaccine. Remember, remember them? Demonstrated, demonstrated a 92% efficacy against symptomatic cases of COVID-19 according to a peer-reviewed analysis of a large clinical trial.
2: And that's at least one percent better than anyone else, probably. <laughs> ninety-one. You got ninety-one. We got ninety-two. <laughs> Back in the day, uh, it, you get in the hood there, and we all got, got pools, and I, I'd have my pool temperature. My 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 neighbor would say, "My pool temperature is eighty-eight degrees today," just because it was the heat of summer. You know, neither of us had pool heaters, just from you know, just going from natural weather. And I'd always say, "Mine's 89. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> drive them nuts. Spotnik. We got one better. We'll one up you here. Sputnik five. Okay, good for Russia. Good for the people of Russia. Yeah, I got it. That's good news. All
1: right. Uh as far as like other earnings from this morning, it's you know, not it's just like Exxon and BP, not super interesting. Harley Davidson reported. Uh can we talk Chipotle though? Because this one is at an all time high. Joel and I discussed this at the closing show yesterday. Just I couldn't believe my eyes. I I still can't really, that, that the stock is Come back to way it's, it has. It's
2: story that doesn't go away. Its oh, okay. valuation doesn't matter. I mean, and they don't worry about E. coli there anymore. It's forgotten. So oh, that's like, so long. That, that that was like three years ago. That's what I mean. So you don't have to worry about that either. So it's off the races. I mean, this stock sitting up here. Whatever happens with the earnings, I will tell you. If it didn't have an earnings report, if it did not have an earnings report here, I would say this is looking like it's ready to break out. Like you have been sitting up here, don't you think, all bunching up here, Joel? But the problem is you got fundamental information. We have fundamental information coming out. Technicals take a backseat. Yes, fundamentals matter here again. I'm unburying them officially today. I buried it with a nail in the coffin there last week. Well, I'm taking the nail out of the coffin and bringing some fundamentals back. But, I mean, just from a technical basis, this looks like it's ready to break out. Could you get a pre-earnings run here today? I think you could. Um, I think you could see a pre-earnings run here of 20, 30 points. It would not surprise me. I never have the guts to take them through the report on a technical trade. But, man, chart looks good.
3: Yeah, breaking out yesterday. Uh, the, the high is probably up there. If you want a target, short-term target today, 15, 16, 69. Uh, that was your, uh, your high yesterday. Your all-time high. And another number, you know, you guys always like, you know, I like the all-time closing high. And I guess right now that's where the bulls and bears are uh, are. are Squaring off 150902. That was the high from yesterday. I mean, this thing, you know, the other thing, the only reason I wouldn't be sure to stock two. Um, and you could really get a juice. I don't know why, you know, what if they split this thing? If, you know,
2: oh man, super- we remember the split trade? We forgot all about great Joel. We yeah. forgot all about the split trade. Remember? No Tesla split and then Apple split and everything, anything that splits, and then you had NEE, and then oh, that yeah. topped it out. When they bought any NEE, Nextera Energy up like 30 points because it was splitting, that was the top of the split trade. It lasted for about a week. It was exciting or two weeks. I mean, that could start up again. You're right, Joel. Imagine they announced a five for one stock split. I, <sighs> I got burned on that. Remember on Apple back in the day, like three, four years ago, and I had ah, the straddle still, And
3: I'm like straddle. and they halt
2: the stock for the earnings and they say the earnings I'm like, oh, those are pretty good. This isn't good for my straddle. <laughs> and then they announced a seven for one stock split. And I was like, I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> So great call! I mean, that could happen. So, I remember yeah. you. I remember what you about this possibility. So I, kinda I like remember what really.
3: you did on that. You you just covered it on the open.
2: You just well, you you, eat it. You move on and eat it. Lucky I did. It just kept going <laughs> since then. That would have been Apple probably back at like thirty or forty dollars, one hundred and thirty-five.
3: Eat the loss. I think that's the last time you sold a straddle. Wrong. Yeah, last time I
2: sold a straddle. <laughs> it was a great strategy. Like I said, my buddy Bruce does it all the time when Amazon has been writing it in, but I'm too spooked. The first time I'll do it, you know, they'll now, yeah, I'll do it on Amazon. I'll rate the straddle. Then Amazon will announce a 10 for one stocks, but I'll be like, ah,
3: <laughs> that's what happened. They could do it too. Yeah, yeah, they could do it too. All right, eight twenty nine. Not much going on in the S and P futures. Just hanging. I mean, up thirty handles. So that's uh, that's, that's a, lot a going nice on. Yeah, no. I mean, the spoons are kind of quiet. I, I'm really upset about this silver going down. I just hoped it could have stayed up there for a couple. More <laughs> Joel days. wants to
2: get rid of his silver coins.
3: <laughs> get Darn. rid of grandma's
2: silver coins. I gotta sell these things.
3: Yeah, I know. It was like I was like, hedge like, I need to short it. Hedge I should have.
2: You short the SLV. You hedge out your silver coin. You know, you're what you got. Oh, you always
3: thinking. You're always bad. Hedge. One step ahead. hedge. All right, a few more earnings reports the here. edge, edge.
2: <laughs> That's okay, a good sorry, one. Sorry, I just made that up. That was bad. That's let's, a
3: good one. Let's talk
2: uh space here, SPC. I want to ah. show you something. Just because of space today, I wore my space shirt. Look at this. Wait, Mike wait, 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 wait. What does that oh, say? got kind of low, Dennis. We had yeah. nine planets, yeah. Back in my day, we had nine planets. Yes, we did. Now we only have eight because we got have- rid of Pluto. Pluto's still a planet. When they looked and sent that probe there, that sure looks like a planet to me.
1: Not anymore.
2: I look like a planet to me, so I'm challenging that. All those pictures, that sure look like a planet. Anyways, we only got eight planets. But space, maybe they're going to take us there. So it's funny. You always talk about this, Spencer. Space X gets the headline, and then space rips on it because there's so many investors, I think, that think SpaceX or space. (laughs) Anyways, what's the headline?
1: No, the the headline. So there's a couple things. One, SpaceX had a PR yesterday morning where they up, gave an update on their timeline for sending people to, to space and and doing more. Remember, they had that test that failed in, in December, where the the compute the engine didn't start or whatever. So they they they're they're doing another test in February. But also that was yesterday. This morning, uh, SpaceX uh, basically just just came out and said that they're going. Uh, with their all civilian crew, their first mission later this year, so.
2: This stock was benefiting from short squeezes as well. It's still going, that and Fubo. You know why? Because they got a little bit of the story still. I'm still long SPCE, full disclosure. I don't know where, I, I, I've i liked this thing. I've been in and out of it since $16. I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out, And I'm in it. I, the last purchase I bought was 35. It is. It has benefited from the short squeeze, so it's way overbought right now. I'm not coming in and saying buy it right now, but there's still a story here. I don't think the story is going away anytime soon, so that's why I'm still holding a piece. I have sold part of
3: the position though. Uh, I wouldn't even think about the pre-market high here. Right at 4 a.m., they cut this thing up to 62.90. Instead, oh, I would. Wow. Yeah, I, instead I would, 4 a.m.
2: traders, they get crazy.
3: Yeah. They get know. crazy
2: with the cheese whiz sometimes.
3: Uh. Get Crazy with the Cheese Whiz. Did you just make that up?
2: (laughs) No, I didn't. That's from Beck.
3: (laughs) From what? Back in the
2: day. Loser.
3: The song Get Crazy. We haven't even talked movies at all. We've been so busy talking about uh, uh, all this other stuff. 59. I'd focus on this 59.43. Uh, That was a high back from a few days ago. It hasn't taken that out. And boom, that closed from yesterday. Ways to go there, but I'd kind of I want to get too worried about it until it breaches that close fifty three seventy nine yesterday's high. No, now, now it, interesting,
1: Interestingly enough, we've been talking about how the market doesn't seem to care when Kathy Wood or when Ark Invest sells a stock because she sold no, she sold some space uh, some Virgin Galactic yesterday. Don't really care about that, but what she bought they do care about. It. She bought DraftKings. She bought six hundred yeah. and twenty thousand shares. Of DraftKings for the ARKW fund, which which I own, for disclosure. Um, and DraftKings is up this morning.
2: You know you're back in normal markets when the Kathy trade is back. That's what somebody was tweeting at me last night because last week the Kathy trade, we said it wasn't working. She bought a whole bunch of stocks and none of them went up. But I was like, what kind of market are we in when Kathy Woods buys the stock and it doesn't go higher? We're back to normal, it uh, DraftKings up six percent this morning. Thanks to her friend Kathy. Wow. Big pop. I mean, this wanted a catalyst, Joel, though. Well, let's talk DraftKings, DKNG. I'm not long it. It wanted a catalyst, though. It's been sitting in consolidation station for a bit. Does Kathy kickstart this thing to 65?
3: I'm asking. I'm asking. I'm not telling. uh, I'm asking. uh, Let's get through the pre-market high, 59.50, and then anything's possible. That's what I'm looking at. And also, uh, last month's high. They're above that, but let's get to 59.50. It's a big pop. I mean, a lot of times these things get the pop and then they kind of, you know, as the late buyers come into it, they kind of roll over. But I'd use a 59.50. If it gets right up there, takes it out, goes 60, hold 60 bid for good keeps going up, then yeah. But if it doesn't get to 59.50, I would say maybe peel back a little bit. All right. 8.34,
1: 830, so, 8.34, actually, it's 8.35 now. Uh, smash that like button again on YouTube. We appreciate that. That helps more people find the show there. I'm prompting you with the little words up yeah. on screen. Smash that like. All right, let's bring on our guest. New guest joining us today, Bill Hart. He is the former CEO of Modern Markets Initiative, joining us now on Pre-Market Prep as I bring him on. Bill, good morning.
4: Good morning. Thanks
1: for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. So, Bill, yesterday, well, not just yesterday, but the, for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about this GameStop story. We had a guest on yesterday talking about payment for order flow and how that messes with the natural order of things. You are taking the other side of that position, correct?
4: Yes. Uh, I, well, I mean, I, what I'd like to do is uh, talk about some of the advantages of payment for order flow, things Perfect. that are sort of getting passed over in the discussion. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, first of all, let's let's start with a little bit of terminology. Sure. Um, instead of calling it payment for order flow, I actually like to refer to it as incentives for order flow. And the reason is because a lot of people don't realize there's more than just hard cash payment going on here uh, than incense brokers route order flow. And 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 by the way, the SEC has been aware of them. They've been studying them for at least thirty years that I can remember. Uh, and, um, it's not just market makers, exchanges also pay for order flow, um, although they generically call them rebates and things like that. Um, but you know, the, the SEC a long time ago decided that these, uh, payments could actually be beneficial for investors. And so what they decided was as long as there's proper disclosure of the payments, uh, that they would they would allow them and allow and basically they flourished in the time since then. So yeah, go ahead.
2: I was gonna say, I mean, there there's you know been papers written by Robert Batellio that, you know, brokers are are basically routing orders to where they can get paid the most. That was a famous paper coming out from uh, Notre Dame professor Robert Batellio, probably six or seven years ago here now. And that, you know, obviously got some media attention as well. Um, what are your thoughts here? Are, are brokers just going and taking your orders to where they get paid the most, or are they still trying to get best execution?
4: Uh, so, so Robert uh, is, is a highly respected uh, uh, professor who has looked at this stuff for a long time. I think the data he was using was even the paper came out seven years ago. The data was even older than that, and I think the industry has matured uh, quite a bit in the last ten years. And so, when I hear people maligning payment for order flow, which of course is a direct cash incentive, I always ask the question, compared to what? Are are, are you comparing it to the quote unquote, the good old days? Because I'll tell you what, in in the old days, the money that funds today's PFOF payment for order flow, mostly went into the pockets of specialists and market makers, not to investors. And whereas today it's, it's actually returned to investors Either through zero commissions or some brokers now are even sharing back some of those payments uh, uh, to the investors, and and of course price improvement, which I'll, I'll talk about in a minute. I don't think anybody wants to go back to those old days. Uh, so you know th- th- that's sort of one thing that people should be asking themselves about this. Um, the markets clearly evolved a lot, and investors are generally better off. See, see. I,
2: I'm sorry. Guys, go I was going to stay on that same topic there. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I, I see bills. You know, some of the the other side as well. I mean, I've talked payment for order flow. You know, on this show for seven years, but I've talked with regulators for a decade as well. I've been, you know, of the impression you know that it does increase toxicity in the markets. And you no, know, we're not going to get into all that stuff here this morning because I've talked about that stuff before. We just want to try to give you the full uh, view of it all. Because one thing I will say, and I've written stuff on this as well. It's not really fair for a retail broker to be forced to put everything onto the exchange when they have to pay these fees because when you take the offer, you know, on an exchange, that's obviously providing, you know, that that order. That there's a cost to that. And so if you're a retail broker and you're sending a 10,000 share order into the open market and there's a 0.3 cents uh, access fee to lift that offer, well they lose money on that order. So I mean, when you go back can you really eliminate payment for order flow on the brokerage side if you don't eliminate it on the exchange side? I mean, you know, it's, it's like I, I've, I've said no. I think, you know, if the exchanges want to eliminate the retail payment for order flow um, to, you know, off exchange market makers, I think they've got to look at a scenario where they eliminate access fees and rebates then as well.
4: It's a great point. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that exchanges pricing structure is generally what's known as maker taker, which means that they'll charge a market order, let's say 30 mils per share, but they'll rebate to the opposing limit order, let's say 25 mils per share. So that, you know, what they're obviously trying to do there is incent people to put their limit orders on the exchange. And, and that's an incentive. So you're right. Um, we need to think about that in the same breath as hard cash pfof for market makers. But let me let me just say this.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I think investors really need to ask themselves what kind of execution quality am I getting when my orders are routed to a market maker? And you know, you you sort of brought this up earlier by saying our brokers just routing based on the amount of pfof they get and so on. The answer is no. I mean, the, the first thing that you have to think about is that wholesale market makers generally Give execution well, absolutely. I shouldn't even say generally. They absolutely give execution at or better than the national best bidder offer. Your order will not do worse if you had sent it to an. Then if you had sent it to an exchange, period. That you can't. It, it's it. It absolutely cannot happen. But then I tell people, well, actually, you can do better than you can do on an exchange, and and that's when we start talking about this issue of price improvement. So. Um, he, here's a couple of statistics. So for the first 11 months of 2020, which is when the data is available, market makers, wholesale market makers paid out $3.3 billion with a B dollars in price improvement, meaning the investor got a better execution price than the NBBO, the National Best Bidder Order. In, in fact, Virtu, which is one of the premier firms in this space alone, paid out $1.3 billion during that same time period. So that's money that goes directly into the pocket of investors, and no exchange comes close. There are other things that that market makers do that that people really don't think about. For instance, um, most of them fill up to 10,000 shares in every ticker, regardless of how many shares are showing uh, in the national best bidder offer. So if the displayed bid is for 100 shares, uh, you can actually sell up to 10,000 shares at that price, price improvement if if your order is going to a market maker. So I guess maybe the question should be why wouldn't you want to send the flow to a wholesaler? And in fact, if if some brokers as as I'm hearing lately are starting to say, well, we're just going to send all, all our order flow to an exchange, I think it's debatable whether they'd actually be fulfilling their best execution obligations. So so Bill, here's what I've always
1: thought uh, is look, there are different people in the market and and different things affect those parties differently. Like I am a retail Investor, do I really care if somebody jumps me in the queue and gets my best price, and I get a slightly less, a slightly worse price? And in exchange for that, I don't pay a commission. Like, like, do I really care about that?
2: If if you weren't even getting a better price, he's saying. Well,
4: right. So I mean, I I think you have to start by saying it's it's not clear to me that anyone's getting a worse price from having you know a worse queue position or something like that. But what I would say to your question is, where you stand depends on where you sit. So right, yeah. So if if you're a a, a big institution sure. and and what you're trying to do is move 100,000 shares without letting the market know what you're doing, you've sure. got a whole different set of problems right. than a retail investor who's doing 4 or 500 shares. And and you really have to look at it through that lens.
2: Yeah. One one thing I just want to add and I'll just give you the color on the other side and this is what I've argued for years is that and if you're putting your bid out there, if you're a lim- if you're a market order trader, you're probably doing just fine in this environment, but if you're a limit order trader, you will miss fills because of payment for order flow. And I know because I miss a pile of them because I'm a limit order trader. You throw out your 51, that market maker isn't doing the price improvement just you know to give away $3 billion. They're doing it because they get to the top of the queue. So you, you bid 51 on the exchange, they can match your price or give a slightly better price, but your bid of $51 does not get filled. So there is an opportunity cost to limit order traders that doesn't feed into the calculation. I've argued for years that I bet you if you add up that opportunity cost, it would be significantly higher than three billion dollars. Or these off-exchange market makers wouldn't be doing this.
4: Well, look, um, no one's no one is uh, is saying that market making is a, uh, a charitable business. Let's face <laughs> it, we're all here. We're all here to make money, right? And yeah. so are market makers, right? So. Um, uh, you know, you really have to think what happens to those profits. And what's clear is that the uh, the way that things are structured today with payment for order flow, a good chunk of those profits is going back to the broker and back to the investor.
1: What what obligation to do the brokers have then? Because because I, I was always under the impression that Robinhood was like pretty transparent, but I guess I was wrong because they got fined last year by the SEC for not being as transparent. Uh, with their customers about payment for order flow, so like wh- I guess, what obligation do they have?
4: Uh, look, I, I, I don't want to talk about any you know broker specifically, and and I'm sure Robinhood had their reasons for settling that case, but I would point out that it was about disclosure and not about actual uh, about someone not getting the best price, right? And right. and so that's an important distinction, right? If you're an investor, really, what you care about is best price. Yes, the disclosure is very important, and 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 I think they they basically uh, cleaned up that part of uh, of their their website since then. But you know uh, those things happen. So let's take um, the conversation yeah, what, away. Oh, oh yeah,
2: yeah. Finish your point, then I was going to take it away from that. So
4: yeah. Well, what, what I was going to say was that um, uh, one thing that the SEC has done, uh, which I think is great, is they've really mandated a lot of disclosure uh they 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 came up with um and this is this goes back a long way they came up with uh these reports that are today known by the snappy names of the 605 and 606 reports and and so um what these reports do is they really list out for every single broker and every single market exchanges dark pools etc they list out what the actual statistics are and anyone can go look at it. They're free. Um, you can ask your broker you know, where they are on the website and so on. And you can really make your own decision. I mean, it's not for the faint of heart. You really have to you know, put some work into it to understand what they're portraying in these reports. But, but don't take my word for it. Look at the reports yourself.
2: So let's take this conversation over to something uh, that you want to talk about, too, was, you know, everybody is talking about naked short selling. And there's this, you know, media attention going around that everybody's just the Wild West and everybody's doing naked short sales. We've addressed this issue on the show over the last couple of weeks. And I'm as as a prop trader know if I'm doing a naked short sale, I'm getting fined significantly and possibly going to jail. I dot the I's and cross the T's on the locates. And I bet you most of the other prop firms are doing the same thing out there. But it brings to the question of GameStop because everybody comes back at me and says, well, how then is GameStop short interest 130% if there's not naked short sales? And you're telling me that there could be another answer.
4: Yeah, I, I think there's There's a lot of confusion about this and hopefully I can clear it up somewhat. Um, the reason you, that you, you often see in, in certain stocks uh, short interest of greater than hundred percent has to do with something called rehypothecation of stock. And what that means is let me let me explain it with maybe a, a quick example. Sure. As most people watching know, uh, to sell stock, first you, you go out and borrow it from someone and then you go out into the market and you sell it. So let's say you just sold short 100 shares by following that process. And when when you do that, your broker reports that its customer is short 100 shares. So, so far, so good. But this is what's important to understand. The person who bought those 100 shares from you doesn't know that you sold short. That information, it doesn't appear on, on, on any of the execution or clearing messages that the broker receives. So the buyer naturally assumes he owns it free and clear. And once it's in his account, it then becomes available to lend out to a, a short seller again right and so so what happens if your buyer then lends that stock out and it's sold short again well that broker also reports that its is short 100 shares and so the stats now are going to show short interest of 200 shares when it's really the same 100 shares that were that were sold twice
1: okay but that that chain can't go on forever right it can only go on that extra that extra loop
4: no, actually, it, it could go on again and again and again. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wait, wait for real? Let me yeah. just point out. So there have been times when uh, there have been some ETFs, for example, that have reported short interest of more than 1,000%. Wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. Hold on. You just like blew my mind. That chain is go-
4: awesome.
1: Wait, 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 wait. I always thought that the chain could only go on. Like You can lend shares at one time.
4: No, because because think about it, the buyer, in each time, the buyer has no idea that the stock was short in the first place. So the buyer matter. has every right to relend it if he wants.
2: So this so all of these, you know, and looking at this and saying, oh, it's the Wild West and it's all the evil hedge funds that are doing naked shorting here. This is your answer right here. It makes complete sense. I mean, you can't and and you were going to bring up the next and I don't want to take it away from you, but, you know, you can't disclose that, you know, oh, I shorted it to you because talk about that part of it. You know how. Yeah.
4: So, so a lot of people, you, you might ask the question, well, then why aren't we, why, why don't we, we require brokers to tell the buyers that, yeah, this was short and you cannot relend it again. And there, there are a few different answers to that problem. Oh. Let's say you're the short seller. Do you want the buyer to know that you're short? I mean, you know, maybe you don't care for 100 shares or 200 shares. What what if you're shorting, you know, 100,000 shares or or 50,000 shares or whatever? You probably don't want the buyer to know that you're short. And by the way, if the buyer does know that you're short, he'll have some information that the rest of the market doesn't have. And that's somewhat unfair as well. So there are a lot of reasons why uh, this is such a, a tough, intractable problem. But uh, I guess people should know that there are a lot of smart people that are working on, you know, different solutions for this. And, um, you know, sometimes it's interesting to drop onto uh, Twitter once in a while. There's a group of market structure nerds uh, that that often discuss these types of things and they bounce ideas off each other and. And so on. So uh, uh, it, it's not; it shouldn't blow anyone's mind per se. Although it's really, it, it can be a problem in a short squeeze, as we saw with GME. Wait, it- I,
2: I, I was going to say, but again, this just you know dispels that you know myth there that everybody's doing naked short selling. I mean, Bill, you know a lot of people in the industry too. I mean, this is low hanging fruit for a regulator. If you're not getting locates on your stocks this is something they're looking for and something they can easily track and easily find. And obviously if you're, you know, doing it to you know, a detriment to the market, you could go to jail for this. I mean, this is like not something that is common to just have naked shorts on. They crack down on this stuff after the financial crisis. And I tell you, they audit traders, you know, they're coming there and make sure they have their locates.
4: I- for most uh, retail brokers, uh, retail investors, the broker basically does all that legwork for them. And, and, but you're right. It's important. It's, it's easy for the regulators to spot. And so it generally doesn't happen.
2: Uh, so last question, and we kept you obviously a little bit over time, but we love the, you know, the, your analysis here. Um, take it back to Reddit. I mean, this, you know, obviously is what's caused, you know, this talk of stock or talk of everything. There's Reddit, they've got 8 million, you know, people over there now. Um, I look at this and I think, wow, you know, there just looks like, You know, it's disorganized pump and dump to a certain extent. And I've kind of called it that. I mean, let's get together and get this thing higher. I mean, but there's probably some smart people behind uh, some of this stuff as well. I mean, I see a lot of Twitter accounts that are, you know, look to me like pump and dumps as well. And everybody's saying, oh, yeah, but this is for the people, the power of the people. But I mean, a lot of this just looks like classic market manipulation. to me. what are your thoughts here on, you know, the GameStop, obviously the, the GameStop with Reddit?
4: Yeah, so it, it looks like um, it, it looks like there are at least some people that were involved on on Reddit with the uh, GameStop uh, uh, sub subreddit, uh, the, uh, the Wall Street uh, I forget the name of it, but Wall Street bets, Wall Street, Wall Street Bet. bets. Thank yeah. you. Um, that that may have been uh, employed by brokerage firms. Now let me explain why that's why that's important. So when you go to work for a brokerage firm, you become known as a red registered person what that means is you're obliged to follow much stricter rules than people who aren't some of those rules have to do with what constitutes research advice stock promotion fraud and so on and registered persons prove that they understand the rules by taking certain finra tests they're called the series 7 and the 24 and the 63 and and in this case as i said it appears that at least one person involved in this promotion of GME is or was a registered person. Now, there are lots of investigations getting getting cranked up as we speak to look at what's happening in the case, but, and, well, and we, we don't know what for sure what the outcome will be. But here's what I know for sure. The SEC and FINRA don't care much whether some misguided politician or editorial writer thinks you're part of a new populism or David versus Goliath movement. They don't care if you have a cool screen names with lots of rocket emojis. What they care about and what they care about passionately are the rules. And if they think you're violating those rules, they're gonna come at it. And so so you know, let me let me just say one more thing for for our, our viewers. Um, everyone should be aware of a a website that FINRA runs called BrokerCheck. It's free. Anyone can, and and you go there and you can look up the history of anyone that you see. And, and, you know, so when the next time you read a a gushing article in a, in a a newspaper or magazine about, uh, about someone, maybe the first thing you should do is go to BrokerCheck and take a look at him, look at his background, look at his history, where he's worked and so on. That's all. Yeah. Great point. BrokerCheck is a,
1: invaluable resource. Bill Hart is the former CEO of Modern Markets Initiative. Just blew my mind, changed how I look at markets. Apparently, stocks can be borrowed out infinitely. Uh, That's good information to know. Bill, thanks for the time today. We appreciate it. That was great. Thank you.
4: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Bill. Bill. All
1: right. I I can't even... I can't even get over that right there. I didn't know no, that the loop, can, the loop can go forever. I did not that's know the loop answer. can go forever.
2: You learn well, something been asking every day here yeah. on Benjamin
3: pre-market I mean, prep.
2: Yeah, we've been, we've been asking for that answer that Bill just gave us for a while because I was convinced, you know, it's I highly doubt there's this, you know, there's not a lot of naked short selling going on out there. I know there are people believe that. Before 2007, I would say yes, 2008. But that all changed after the financial crisis, and they really cracked down on it. So this that's a big word. We rehypothecation of shares good, good is job. your answer because that share can be borrowed and that loop can go on indefinitely because there's you know no way that that person who bought the shares from you knows you sold it short, so they think they own it outright, so they think I can lend those shares too, and that's how it happens. Because I remember I had this question like years ago and then
1: someone's like, no, no, you can, I, 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 for some reason I thought you, you, you can lend them out one time. And like, that's the end of that loop. But otherwise you can create this, this entire, um, uh, 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 second, secondary market, tertiary, tertiary market where you've got this entire, like, yeah, this entire market. Of, uh, I'm thinking about the, the blackjack scene in the big short where there's, there's a the bet on the table and then there's all the side bets. And like that, that's, that's yeah. what I'm thinking.
2: Oh my goodness. Just that's so the way head. it is. I <sighs> mean, how but how you okay? Let's say you're that buyer, like you know, like Bill was just saying. Let's say you're that second buyer. I mean, it's not fair to you that you bought the stock and you can't lend it. It's not well, fair to you as you know, I've bought the stock, I would have thought even though you don't owe them outright.
1: I would have thought the broker would have stepped in and said no. Like I would have.
2: I... So then, so if that's the case. Then you have to put a little asterisk on every single share that yes. you buy in the open market and say that this is not a lending share. This is a lending share, but this is not a lending share because there's a lot of institutions that make a lot of money. You know, everybody says the evil short seller. There's fees involved in short selling oh, stocks. Huge. The, and oh, huge. Oh, yeah. And money made by the institutions by lending those stocks. And you as a retail investor, you know, at Interactive Brokers, you can get into the lending program. People don't realize this. You can go in. To their, you know, to their uh, program lend out and stock. lend your shares and get paid for holding your stock. Yep, yep. So there, those fees can get passed directly to you. I mean, they take a cut, you know, because they're in the business to make some money, too. But you can get paid on your shares to lend them out to short sellers like myself. So uh...
3: and, and you can and if you're even if your shares are loaned out, you can still sell them. You could still sell them.
1: So, so, okay, so... Oh, yeah, but what, so, yeah, wait, you wait.
3: sell them and then obviously... Okay, wait, so, so, right.
1: so wait, what if the first person in the chain covers, buys their stock back?
2: Well, here's the issue. Then, then that, this is why you get, you know, you've got to have... So when you short a stock originally, you've got the borrow. And you can stay short as long as you still have the borrow. If that first person in the chain covers, now you have to cover as well. Oh, so God. you get bought in. These are called buy-ins by the brokerage I, I get notice of buy-ins all the time where I don't have the borrow. If you're in smaller cap stocks, all of a sudden you don't have a borrow. You get a notice from your broker and says, look, to, to, for regulatory compliance here, you have to cover your shares by the close today. They oh, usually God. had interactive brokers that give you a 10 minute warning. And then you cover. And if you don't cover it, they will go into your account and buy back exactly the company, shares yep. themselves. The brokerage can go legally into your account and buy back those shares in the open market at whatever price is there. But they have to do it be, to stay, because you're now you, you would either you would then be naked shorts short the stock, and they can't have that because the brokerage doesn't want to get fined. So those are called buy-ins when you actually have to go in and rebuy the Jeez. stock. So you have to cover your short. Man. So if first person sells, you got it, and, and the chain's broken, you then have to cover your short. They'll go try to find you another borrow, and if uh, you can, I would you hope so. Chain, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, this is why you don't have a problem with Apple, Amazon, you know, things components. You're going to get borrows and locates. But remember Viacom? Remember VIA? They locked it up. Nobody could find the shares to short. The stock exploded because they were all buy-ins. You had the brokerage houses had to buy back. And here people got on for a spread. The one VIAC versus the VIACA used to be VIA versus VIAB, I think, when this happened. But the one... With the voting rights that couldn't get the borrow on it, so you got Paris traders that you know are playing share class arbitrage that are short the one that's two dollars higher because they usually stay in line, but it's here. But then the borrow blew it out to here, so these are market mechanics of stuff that's happening obviously in the background. But I mean, as a short seller, I'm always aware if my borrow is easier now not, and they're more expensive. I mean, when you get these newer issues, like a FUBO is probably expensive, you got to look at those rates. Because, you know, some of these rates can get over 100% a year. So, you know, when you're paying these kind of rates in the financial crisis, every bank's borrow was like huge money. Huge, yeah. Citigroup was like 150% at one time. So, I mean, you've got to be careful the short sell. You've got to watch that stuff. You've got to watch your borrow rates and you got to watch that you can get a borrow. I presume, you don't, uh, that, uh, squeeze. I presume
1: that was before they banned shorting the banks for for or maybe yeah. maybe it was after i don't know all right uh 901 that's going to be it for our show today uh i learned a lot i hope you all learned a lot smash that like button if you learned something even if you didn't learn anything just hit the like button anyway i want to thank our guest bill hartz want to thank all of you in our chat, all the participation we love you all We appreciate it. You can always catch our show. It's available as a podcast as well. We're on every major podcast platform. And for those of you listening via podcast, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Uh, That's going to be it. So everyone have a good rest of your day. Joel and I are going to be back at 340 PM Eastern time to wrap up the session. Good luck in your trades and stay safe.